Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. You're in the main last Sunday of the month. Uh, so this morning, Psalm 23. And this is a series we've been doing. It is really the hymn book, if you would, for the nation of Israel. They would sing all of these psalms, 1 through 150. They were a part of their, you know, kind of just their worship unto God. And so all the songs that you and I have in our Bible all had, like, music that accompanied them. Uh, of course, we don't know what those musical notes were, but we read God's Word, and, it, and, and as they would sing them out, they would sing out these truths. So this morning we're looking at uh, Psalm 23, a psalm of King David. And also I want you to find in your Bible John chapter 10. So Psalm 23 and John chapter 10, and we'll read Psalm 23 this morning together as soon as Pastor Gordon finds his glasses. There we go. Are you guys all good? Just just so you're aware that we fixed the air conditioning this morning, just for you. We came in this morning, it was like 90 degrees in here already, so this, you could do hot yoga after service, we could shut it off, but... Yeah, so Raul, who is uh, one of our favorite custodians who serves with us on Sunday mornings, if you see him driving around in a blue shirt, tell him, thank you, Raul, for fixing the air conditioning. How many of you guys were here last Sunday? Not very many of you, right? That was a trick question, wasn't it? How many of you were not here? Last Sunday was hot yoga here at RVC, (laughs) Psalm 127. So you guys are welcome. I actually had nothing to do with it. You can thank Hannah and Raul. It's Psalm 23. A psalm of David, he says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a psalm of King David, and it was very fitting for him to write this psalm, because David himself was a shepherd. He was a shepherd prior to becoming the, the, the leader of the nation of Israel. And so he was a shepherd king like our Lord and Savior Jesus. We, he is the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. There's a, a, an incredible little devotional book that I want to encourage you to read. Go on Amazon and buy it. It's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And it's written by a guy named Philip Keller. And he really just kind of explains this whole psalm in such a beautiful way as he himself was a shepherd for so long, had purchased many sheep, cared for them and loved them, and then he became a pastor. For David, this was, again, a natural uh, understanding of his relationship with God. David thought about uh, his relationship with God. He thought about God as a shepherd. And he and the nation of Israel as sheep. Uh, He knew that that as a shepherd, a shepherd would care for the lives of their sheep, spending years with them, defending, providing the very best, and that's who he saw God was in his life. In fact, we read in Psalm 78, verse 52, but he led, speaking of God, he led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them them safely through the wilderness. In Psalm 100, we read, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And in Hebrews, the Bible reads this way, 
Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. God as shepherd. In fact, it's actually throughout the whole Bible we see this idea of God being a shepherd and us as his followers being sheep. A shepherd would care for the sheep, would protect them from predators and other harmful things like parasites, rescue them from danger that those sheep would find themselves wandering into, provide the very best land for the sheep to be nourished and fed and be able to grow and be safe. And the shepherd was really in close relationship with the sheep so that they would trust him, they would know him. Jesus even gave us that passage in John 10 that we'll read in a second, that, that the sheep hear his voice and they know him and they follow him. The characteristic of sheep. How many guys have your favorite team, a sheep is like the mascot? The tr- that, okay, the rams. That's a little different, right? <laughs> but like a sheep that, you know, you go to the Fresno, you know, the Fresno Fair, and right, you wander in the 4-H area, and there's a little sheep, and uh, and you know they're they're not like the, um, the the most like rugged animals. In fact, sheep are defenseless animals. Why are you a Rams fan? <laughs> I was like, my mind is going, because you're the you know what's because you're the faithful one in the family, right? Everyone else departed, and there he is, faithful. And look at the Lord gave you a great coach. The second service is going to get cleaner. It'll be a little cleaner. It's a great metaphor, though, for people. They're defenseless. They're easy prey. They're foolish. They get into a lot lot of trouble. They're timid. They're gullible. They're stupid animals. They're easily influenced by a leader. They're vulnerable to mob mentality, fear, frustration, pests. All kinds of different things can actually trouble them, and they can't do anything about it. They're also stubborn. Have you noticed in your own life that the majority of things that you pray about for God to get you out of are things that you yourself created for yourself? Like we're our own worst enemies. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, speaking of the Messiah, centuries before Jesus was born, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So that's what sheep do. There's a, the Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to a person, but the, in the end it leads to death. There's one thing that we know about sheep is that sheep need a shepherd. They need a caring, loving shepherd. This week we're going to just dissect verse 1 through 3. And over the next two weeks we're going to talk about the four P's of Psalm 23. This morning, possession and the provision of the good shepherd. So we begin verse, verse 1. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Those five words, if you and I would understand the implication of what it actually means for God to be your shepherd, would really revolutionize our lives and our relationship to God and understand who he is and wants to be in our lives. So David begins with this boast, really. The Lord is my shepherd. He is mine. But the truth is that David has come under the care and the concern of God himself. Jesus talks about his role as a shepherd in our lives. In John chapter 10, as I asked you to turn to there earlier this morning, John chapter 10, I'll read to you verse 7, or excuse me, 1 through 11. Jesus says this, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out his own, he goes before them, notice this, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Well, because they're sheep. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus is referring to the religious leaders who did not care for the nation of Israel and for the, the people of God. They were actually, uh, they, were, they were really opposing God, and that's why they rejected Jesus Christ. And so Jesus points out that these leaders were not truly shepherds for the people of Israel. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, verse 11, the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus explains this sort of morning scene, if you would, for shepherds and sheep. As he came and the sheep got up, they heard their shepherd's voice. They knew it was safe. Uh, he also said that he was the door of the sheep. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? You're thinking, okay, Jesus is the door. That's odd. What they would do in the evening times is they would have, and, and I know this because I read a book about this. <laughs> Not because uh, I was in 4-H. I was for one year. Just in case you guys are wondering. 1988, short horde champion, steer. That's what I was. A kid from Clovis West, and I had to leave my, my steer in somebody else's yard who had land because that's just not how I was brought up. None, I only did it for the money, by the way, too, because all my 4-H guys all had nice cars. I'm like, how'd you get that? So this is, again, second service can get way cleaner. There would be three walls, like three you know, stone walls, and the, the sheep would be you know, put in there in the evening time, and literally the shepherd would lay across that opening where the sheep would go in and out. And so they literally were a door. And Jesus is using this metaphor that not only is he the one that will shepherd the lives of his followers, but he literally was the way into safety, the way into pasture. And even as he described this, this, this scene about actually having, uh, you know, being out and in, in, to be nourished and go out in the pasture and have safety and have someone leading them. That's what he was describing there. The idea of it is possession. The sheep come under the ownership or the management of the good shepherd. And like David as a young shepherd boy, and like Jesus is in our lives, the shepherd enjoys caring for the sheep. He enjoys leading the sheep because he's a good shepherd. The good shepherd Jesus spared no expense to bring us in, if you would, to be a part of his flock. He laid his life down willingly, according to John 10, how much more, if he willingly laid his life down for you to be saved, how much more is he willing to lead and to guide your life? Romans 5 is interesting. You read through Romans 5, and, 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 and Paul talks about what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then there's this, this, this phrase he uses throughout chapter 5. How much more? How much more? Think about that. If Christ willingly left heaven 2,000 years ago to live a life that none of us could ever live, to ultimately lay his life down on the cross where he would absorb the wrath that your sin, my sin, the sins of this entire world deserved. And he did that 
because he loves you and wants you to be a part of his kingdom, how much more will he, as a good shepherd, lead and care for your life? Don't ever get in that spot where you wonder like, well, God's already taken my sin. I don't think he wants to help me raise my kids or he's not going to help open a door for me to get a new job. God is a good shepherd and the things that concern you as a sheep, a vulnerable sheep, he wants to lead and he wants to guide and he wants to shepherd. He wants to nourish your soul. He wants to walk you through the seasons of life, even the shadows of death we'll talk about next Sunday. And he wants to guard you and I from the dangers and the perils of this world because he's a good shepherd. For David, it's the beginning is possession. The Lord is my shepherd. Life is good because I am his. And then he moves on to the provision of the shepherd. Because we belong to the shepherd, he provides for us as a shepherd does for his or her sheep. He cares for us. Again, in John 10, he said, those who uh, come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go out freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. By the way, that's what the enemy wants to do to your life, to the lives of your loved ones and your kids. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich satisfying life. I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd who sacrifices his life for the sheep. So what does he provide? According to David, he says, the, the Lord is my shepherd. What's the next line? I shall not what? Want. I shall not want. The good shepherd provides satisfaction in your life, in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. To want surely means to not lack anything or to not be deficient in anything that you need, by the way. There's a lot of wants that we might have, but the things that you and I need, God has taken care of and provided for us. But I shall not want also means a, a broader mindset or a broader thought. To not crave any longer. To not be anxious about stuff any longer. To not desire anything anymore. I think that we would say like that would be to be content in life. Those five words, the Lord is my shepherd, and then what he provides for me, I shall not want. When you and I get to that spot where we truly acknowledge, God, you're my shepherd. You know what's best for my life. I'm a sheep. I'm a, I'm a sheep of your pasture. You're, you're, you're tender with me. You're loving with me. You care for my needs. Man, I can sit back and be content. Contentment in the 21st century is, is a difficult thing, right? Because we're constantly bombarded with everything that we don't have instead of actually just acknowledging what we do have and what is good in our lives, right? Every single Christmas, Apple's got something awesome, right? And then like January 2nd, some dude walks out in the same colored outfit he's been wearing every single year. Hey, we got a bunch of new cool things. Oh my gosh, this one has 17 cameras on it. Oh, mom, if you really loved me, you would have waited and got me that, right? We're just not content. And it doesn't change, by the way. You know, when you're young, you always want new stuff, right? When you get old, it's the same thing, man. Just like constantly like wanting something, wanting something more, whatever it is, more gadgets, more trinkets. But when we, when we can acknowledge, God, you're my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm content. Philip Keller, in his, in his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, he says this, Contentment should be the hallmark 
of the man or woman who has put his or her affairs in the hands of God. Think about that. Contentment should be the hallmark of the man or woman who has put his or her affairs in the hands of God. David says, he provides satisfaction for me. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, sheep don't always know what they need. Remember when your kids were maybe younger, and you're like, okay, it's time to go take a nap. I'm not tired. And then, boom, they're just like out, driving home from the car or, you know, from the park or wherever you were at. You know, you're just like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. You know, ruin your nap and whatever your mommy time you needed. Oh, I don't want to go to sleep, right? I'm not hungry. Man, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, as a shepherd, he knows what we need. He knows when you need rest. He knows how to, how, to, how to arrange life in such a way to slow us down. Little injuries that happen, you're like, oh, why would God allow this to happen, you know? Well, because you're 48, you shouldn't have done that anyways, but <laughs> maybe, maybe you take a look back and say, you know what, God? Maybe it's just you need me to slow down a little bit. Maybe, maybe I need rest. The sheep who have a good shepherd like that, they have a satisfied life and soul. They experience peace. Uh, Philip Keller talks about the reasons why a sheep would not be, you know, um, feel safe to lay down. They're not peaceful yet. So the shepherd provides some of these things, like to make sure that they don't fear anything or any predator that's around. So that they can fall, they can lie down and actually rest. They experience peace, they experience rest, to lie down and find rest for your souls, to be free from agitation. Sometimes uh, he talked about that they wouldn't be able to rest if they were like fighting, infighting within the sheep world. I don't know what that's like, but, you know, sometimes they would get irritated with each other, and so he would have to fix the little problems and, hey, go apologize to that little lamb over there. If they were hungry, so he'd make sure they were well fed, and then they could rest. And then they would have nourishment for their souls. These green pastures and still waters. You know, when we think about like shall not want, I shall not want for any real tangible spiritual thing that I need in my life. Bodies need food, but your soul needs spiritual nutrition. Our lives get dry spiritually sometimes as we just sort of go about life on our own without really connecting with the good shepherd. We get spiritually anemic, if you would, right? And in those moments when you feel that, sometimes we, like sheep, we go to a poor substitute for that nutrition. We might choose to go after some other bogus source uh, of, you know, my soul needs this, and it might be, you know, boozing it up. It might be relationships. It might be some other thing that you chase after going, oh, that's going to really, like, satisfy my soul. So we chase after some, some, some nourishment from a bogus source. Or we might seek out people like, you're going to fix me. You're going to make me happy. Or we seek it in stuff, right? More things, more trinkets. The believer still looks. Even with us having a good shepherd, we still look for other sources, don't we? We still sort of wander off in our own lives. And it usually gets us in, well, it always gets us in trouble. Philip Keller talks about that, that they would, he would be leading his sheep to this beautiful still water where they could actually drink of like fresh water. He said, but I would always have this dumb sheep that would want to stop in the muddied waters that had been trampled on by shepherds and sheep and they'd messed in it and they would drink this water that had parasites and all kinds of, you know, trouble in it. We're like that. 
In Jeremiah chapter 2, the prophet says this about, God says this through the prophet about the people of Israel. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Sheep that don't look at God as shepherd, and they, you know what, you're not going to take care of me, I can find it myself. They're always looking at the greener pastures, you know, uh, that some other sheep are wandering in. Oh man, if I could only get after that, that's going to bring satisfaction to my life. It only brings disappointment. The believer who, and this is, I think this is true for a lot of us, the Christian who wants the best of both worlds. It's like you still want your old life back in the world. Maybe you wander back to some of those things that you were a part of before you became a Christian. But I mean, I still want God as my shepherd. I want God to shepherd my life and lead my life until he's leading me to places I don't want to go. Then I want to take over. I want him to provide for my life, but I also want to chase after some of these things because, boy, that's going to satisfy my life. You know what happens when a believer tries to say kind of parked in the world and then still wants to be like all in with God? They're not happy in either place. You're no longer happy doing the things you used to do in the world, and you're certainly not finding any joy and satisfaction in your relationship to Jesus Christ until you just say, you know what, I'm going to stop being a stubborn sheep and allow the shepherd of my soul to lead me and to provide for me. And when he does, well, that's when we find satisfaction. Jesus told the woman at the well, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Every one of us has an inner thirst. We're born with it. Some chase that try to get that fulfilled through religion. Some chase it through pleasure. Some, you know, all kinds of different things that you and I have chased after in this life. But it's only in a relationship with a good shepherd that you're finally going to be satisfied. And David, in that moment, recognized, God, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. You lead me into these beautiful areas that I might lie down and rest. You lead me beside quiet waters that I might uh, nourish my soul. He says, I'm content. It was St. Augustine who said this, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless, searching, till they find their rest in thee. What does that look like? It looks like quiet moments with the good shepherd. It's you carving out time in your life where you actually are spending unhurried moments with the shepherd. You know, every single week we open God's word together. Some of you guys tell Siri to open God's Word. You have it on your, 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 uh, your iPhone or whatever gadget you have. We don't give those away, but we give hard copies of God's Word away. <laughs> you can grab one on your way out because every person should own a copy of God's Word and read it and spend time with God and get to know who He is. Learning to cast your cares upon Him as the Good Shepherd cares for us, learning to listen to his voice in his word, giving you like, hey, you need to back away from the situation. Or even prompting in your own spirit, 
to begin to pursue a new career choice because boy, that's what it means to be led by God. Those quiet sessions where sheep spend time with the good shepherd, and that's where that intimacy is developed. And by the way, that's when you and I find that ability to say and proclaim and sing like David did, because he's my shepherd, I no longer want. I'm content in my life because, well, he's the one who leads me. There's a little girl who misquoted this passage, but she got the heart of the passage right. She said, the Lord is my shepherd. He is all that I want. I think when you and I get to that spot in life, where you just kind of like sit back and rest, say, God, I want to learn what it means for you to be the good shepherd in my life. You paid for my sins, but I want you to lead me and guide me, and I want to know you intimately. That's when you and I get to that spot, and that's where we can say, man, I'm content. My soul is content. I'm content in Jesus. David also said how the shepherd provides. He says, he restores my soul. So restoration it's satisfaction for your soul, but also restoration in your life. God restoring your life. Sheep and people get into trouble, and they need the loving hand of a shepherd to restore. They get dejected in life. They get cast down. They get defeated. We get frustrated. Philip Keller talks about sheep that would get cast. I didn't know this. I know that there's something like cow tipping I'm not even going to ask a show of hands because that's just wrong. But these sheep would actually like fall over and their legs would just be sticking up. And they can't get up. It was the original like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And he talked about like how that would happen in their lives. You know what they would do? As he said, they would look for the softest part on the field. And that's where they would go and lay down. But it was so soft that it actually would continue to flip over and their little, little sheep feet would just be dangling. They don't have 10. There we go. Their little sheep feet would just be dangling up in the air. They're very vulnerable in that moment. Looking for a soft spot. They had too much wool on them. They got too fat during the, uh, maybe the spring months. Christians get into a mess too. And it's for some of the same reasons. We start backing off. We start backing off our commitment to be with God's people. We start backing off with our commitment to God's word. We start allowing little things back into our life. And man, we fall over as well. David got himself into a lot of mess when he wasn't busy doing the things that God had called him to do to be the leader of the nation of Israel. Paul writes, therefore, let anyone who thinks that they stand take heed lest they fall. We all are vulnerable. And in those vulnerable moments when we find our life in a mess, we have a good shepherd who not only satisfies our life, but he restores our soul. As sheep get cast, flipped over, some of us can experience that too. You just feel like you're upside down in life, man. Everybody's cruising by and everybody's got everything, you know, going in their life and you're stuck. Life gets harsh. Sin destroys much in our lives. Other people sinning against us brings a lot of destruction as well. But the good shepherd's fully aware of what you and I face. And Philip would talk about in his book, he would look over and he would start looking at his sheep 
And then he would see four little legs standing up. And he knew in that moment, man, that sheep is vulnerable. I need to get over there and flip him back right side up. The enemy, by the way, sees it too. And Satan's very timely, isn't he? You and I, when we're in those vulnerable moments, when we feel like that we've blown it, we're upside down, man, he comes in, like Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. But how does the good shepherd come over? Does he come over in anger? Is he coming over disgusted? Is he coming over fed up? Philip Keller would talk about he would go and he would pick up that lamb. And because of all the blood that would rush to its you know, body, the, the legs didn't have any blood in them, they would actually have to straddle that sheep and, uh, and, and kind of rub its legs so that it would actually get the blood flow back in there. And he would make sure that it was able to sort of like walk back with the other sheep on its own. You know what's so great about God? And this is what... What, what I love so much about God is his grace. You and I, can we, can we can make these little vows and promises, right? In fact, maybe you went to high school camps when you were a kid, and, and you go up there, and you get all on fire in the top of the mountain, right? And then you guys all make your little promises, you know what I mean? Like promise keepers, and then you're a promise breaker by like Tuesday, Monday. You're just like, oh, man, I'm going to be fired up when I get back. And then Monday morning hits, and you're just like, man, I kind of, I'm not, I'm not doing so hot. We don't like live up to our own expectations. See, God knows exactly what you and I are. You know what? God knows what you're going to stumble in and over in 18 months. And he still loves you. And guess what? He's already provided a way for you to be restored. And so the good shepherd comes along and he comes to those who are cast down and dejected and he restores them. He did that to Peter, Peter who, who had denied Jesus three times after he publicly said that he was willing to die with Jesus the very night Jesus was betrayed. Jesus came to Peter privately, he restored him, and then he restored him publicly. Restoration. That's why David's saying, well, uh, Psalm 103, we talked about it two weeks back. Blessed, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all my iniquity, who heals all my diseases, and who rescues me from the pit. That's what the good shepherd does. He restores our soul. He heals us. He forgives us. He redeems us from the pit. 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. He graciously restores us. And then the third way he provides, he gives us direction. As David said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're unable to discern the future. And because we're sheep, we don't have always the best direction in life. And we need a shepherd to guide us. I remember hearing one pastor talk about an atheist. It was a young man who was an atheist who was talking about big decisions in his life. He's saying, one wrong decision could derail the rest of my life. And it was Pastor Chuck Smith, and he said, I, I felt so sorry for that young man, that all that pressure is on you. You know what's great? Is that I don't, I don't know how to make the best decisions for my life, except for marrying my wife. Boom. How about that one? Right? And I'm not even in trouble right now. That was just came to my mind. But I have a shepherd 
who leads me and guess what? Vetoes some of my other decisions. Oh, I'm going to go and do this. And Lord's like, ah, funny. No, it's not going to happen. Oh, Lord, I want to go over here. And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to close that door. How nice it is to know that I have a good shepherd that sees it all and actually can override some of my dumb choices that I make in my own life. He leads us. He guides us. We're unable to discern the future. Life is uncertain. How wonderful it is to know that we have a Lord, a shepherd that leads us. We can trust that he's directing our steps. We know that he calls his sheep by name. That's what Jesus told us in John 10. And they hear his voice. And the characteristic of a follower of Christ is that they actually follow the shepherd. He knows the right paths to lead us down in life. That means that you and I can't be that stubborn sheep that's like, you know what, I want to go my own way. I'm going to be a driven person. Be careful. You might continue to go in directions that get you back into messes. We lay aside our will. We lay aside our desires, our wishes, our directions, and we say, God, I want to follow you. I wonder how many messy situations could be avoided for a child of God. They would just simply lay aside that drivenness, and they would just say, God, shepherd me. God, lead me. Really trusting that God, as the good shepherd, is leading you on the right path. Again, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. That self-assertion has to be absent. You can't be stubborn thinking that you know best for your life. Philip would describe those sheep that would constantly try to go at it alone, and they did get themselves in trouble. There's that old hymn, that line in the hymn that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's a truthful statement in there. Say, God, I don't want to be that sheep. God, I don't want to follow you. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He directs you and I in his word, what is the right path, as you and I obey his commands to love and to honor him. We choose to forgive others when they wrong us and they sin against us. See, that's the paths of righteousness, to walk in grace. Then you find that that path is stable. He opens doors, he closes doors, and we trust in the good shepherd that he's going to lead us through life Life's ups, life's downs. He's a good shepherd. Next week, we're going to talk about the shepherd's protection and promise in our life. But this morning, that thought, those first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. Those five words are life-changing, aren't they? When you and I recognize and we allow him to be the shepherd, the good shepherd of our souls. That God would care for you and I in this way. And it ought to raise a shout of praise as it did for David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God wants to be the shepherd of our lives, but he will let you go at it on your own if you choose to be that stubborn sheep. I don't know why we would forfeit the Lord, the good shepherd, to just take total control of our life. It's kind of scary, if we're honest. But he's a good shepherd. He's not going to lead you in some place that isn't going to be the very best for your life. That's a great question this morning. Is he your shepherd today? Are you allowing him to lead your life? We read in John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. How do you become a sheep, if you would? How do you become under the care and concern of the good shepherd? 
You, you lay your life down. You choose to believe and trust in him. Even as Isaiah 53 said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could actually be saved and that you and I could actually become his property where we could say the Lord is my shepherd and, and I am his. You can't be the shepherd of your life until you recognize and accept his sacrifice for you for everyone has to come through Jesus Christ. Even as he says in, in John 10 verse 16, that, that he calls his own sheep and they recognize his voice. And he gives them life and he gives them abundant life and they become under the management of the good shepherd. And they can say, life is good. The Lord is my shepherd. Can I ask you this morning, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, are you enjoying the blessings of being under the management of the good shepherd? Like is he leading your life? Or do you feel your life is in a place where you're not content right now? You can't actually sing that song, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because you just don't have a content soul. He wants to give that to you. Or maybe today you feel like you're stubborn and you sort of sabotage the provisions of the good shepherd in your life. Have you surrendered to his will? Are you going to bogus sources of nourishment for your soul that end up bringing destruction to you? Are you going to him for restoration? Are you spending time in his presence? Are you looking to his word and spending time in prayer, seeking for the good shepherd to lead and to guide your life in paths of righteousness? And that's what it looks like for the shepherd to take control over our lives. This week, I want to encourage you to spend some time meditating and memorizing the whole book. Uh, not the whole book. <laughs> like, you get, a, you get a brand new car. You'll get a sucker next week if you memorize Psalm 23. I'm just kidding. You'll be blessed and your soul will be refreshed as you meditate and you memorize Psalm 23 with the rest of us. Let us know that. Man, on the connection card, man, take that next step. Man, I want to memorize Psalm 23 with the rest of my church family and allow that to soak into my heart. Rise early this week and spend time with the shepherd. Phil Keller talked about how the sheep would get up early in the morning because there was, a lot, there was dew still on the, on the grassy fields. And, and that's how they, they would actually get their source of water was from those times of getting up early. Can I encourage you? Man, if you want to have a life that is the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He's guiding me and giving me rest. He's leading me beside quiet waters. He restores your soul. Leading you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That happens when you as one of his sheep chooses to get closer in proximity to the shepherd and spending more and more time with him. I, can't, I can think of a million things that I should give up. I can think of two million that you should give up to just spend some unhurried time with God. It might be in the morning. It might be your new lunch hour. That's for you and the good shepherd to sort of figure out. But I know this, that he wants to shepherd you and guide you. And that happens as you get to know him more and more in your life. You ask him to take over your life. Maybe there's some sin that you need to confess, even this morning, to the good shepherd. And let him restore you. And then for maybe some of you, you've never come under the care and concern of the good shepherd yet. You have been going at life on your own, and today, you don't belong to him. You know, Christianity is not like a list of things, do these things, and then God will accept you. Christianity speaks of a God who loves you and I so much that he became a human being. He lived a life that none of us could live. Ultimately, as we talked earlier, so he could go on the cross 
and take your sin and take my sin and the punishment it deserves so he could offer you eternal life. How do you become his sheep? Believing in him. Choosing to say, God, I believe that you are the Lord and the Savior. Choosing to say, God, I want to turn from my own life and turn from my own sin and I want to choose to follow you and I want to believe in you. And I want to receive you into my life and into my heart. And maybe that's you this morning. Today you're, you want to make that commitment. You know, in a moment, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate through our time of worship. We're going to come up and we're going to take, uh, there's two cups for you. There's a, a, the bread, the piece of bread on the bottom cup and the juice on the top cup, which represents his body that was broken for us. As Jesus said, take and eat this bread, which is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. Later on that night uh, at, the, at the Passover meal, he took a cup. And he says, this is, the, this is the blood of the new covenant that is poured out for the sins of the world. As often as you drink this cup and as often as you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. But maybe today is your day to say, God, I'm going to surrender to you. You want Christ to come into your life. You pray with me now. Father, thank you for your love, God, and thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Lord, what a blessing it is, God, to walk through this beautiful psalm and realize, God, that you are the good shepherd. You're the great shepherd, the great shepherd of our souls. And Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us, that, Father, we would recognize that we're possessed by you, Lord, we are owned by you, and that, God, you provide so richly for us, God. Help us, Father, this week to spend some unhurried time with you, getting to know you, God, allowing you to, to lead and shepherd our lives. Lord, for my friends that need restoration, Lord, come and restore their hearts today. For my friends that need direction, God, come and guide them today. Lord, those that need nourishment, God, come and enrich their lives today with your Holy Spirit. And Father, there may be some, there may be one today who needs to come to know you, God. They need their sins forgiven. And Lord, they're ready to surrender their heart. They're ready to recognize you as the good shepherd who laid his life down for them. I pray that you speak to their heart right now. Open their eyes, God, to your love, to their desperate need for a Savior today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you want to say, hey, Gordon, would you pray for me today? I'm ready to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to begin a relationship with him today. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I want you to simply, I want you to put your hand up. Put it up high in this room. If that's you this morning, God bless you. Anybody else? Today you're ready to surrender your heart to Christ. You want your sins forgiven. Anybody else this week? God bless you. Loves each and every one of you. Anybody else? You want to surrender your heart today. You want to give your life to the Lord. You want him to take control and be the shepherd of your life. If that's you, you lift your hand as well. Well, listen, for those of you that just acknowledge today that you want Jesus in your life, I'm going to pray a prayer up here from the stage. You pray something like that, like this, in your heart. You tell God what you want him to do in your life. And the Bible says that Christ is going to come into your life. He's going to make you a new person today. Pray with me now. Pray this prayer in your heart right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And today I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. 
I choose to trust you and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Guide my life, Lord, and help me to do your will from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for the promise of heaven and eternal life. Thank you for being my shepherd, Lord.